and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, welcome to our program today. Hunter, you online? G'day mate, yes indeed, good to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, good to have you, have you on board. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that we'll have no technical problems like we had last week. That would be great. I've gone through and I've cleared everybody off the internet in this house. There's not a single person Very good. using anything. And Excellent. I'm just praying that God will be with us yes. and that uh, we'll be blessed. And I just want to welcome our... Our listeners today, glad you're on board with us. I hope and pray you'll be blessed. Now, Hunty, we're going to do RC Aussie Pasta today. Yes, we are. Today. Yes, we are. And if you want to contact us, uh, Hunty's got some details here. I do. You can text us on 0488 or you can email your questions to us, info at aussiepasta.com. And we have a great program coming up today. Let me tell you who we've got in line. Is that all right? I'll tell you who's coming up. Yep, we've got um, Terry Johnson, and we've got Harold Harker, and we've got Hensley Gungadoo. Hope you guys enjoy this afternoon's program. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I'm already enjoying some uh, cutouts there, Hunty. Oh, wait. Did you? How did you go? I wondered. I wondered why you weren't talking to me. <laughs> oh dear. I, I introduced. Home. I introduced our uh, viewers to our three guests. And, yeah, good, good. And you're back, which yeah. is great. <laughs> we, we've actually got some um, uh, uh, with Terry. He's our new union president for the Adventist Church here in Australia. He's just taken this position. Yes. Before, uh, I think the last week or so, he was the president of our our church here in Sydney. But now he's, uh, he's the boss for the church all over Australia. So yes. I think he's got some interesting things to tell us, hasn't he? Yeah, I think And he I'm does. looking forward to that. Me too, me yeah. too. Yeah. And then Hensley's going to talk to us about uh, how to read the Bible. Yes. I like that. Yes. And, and we've got Harold Harker back. And the reason we've got Harold Harker back is because he's got a really great story about an island, not so much a man, but an island today that's had a really significant part to play in the gospel. Hey, Hunty. Yeah. We're not going to be here for the next three weeks, are we? That's right. You're, wh- why is that? Because um, our employers discovered the last time I took a holiday and said, you must take a holiday. So I'm off. Who took a holiday? So who, who, who's going away? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd tell our listeners that just so they know. It's, it's my the fault. Reason we, the reason we won't be on board the next three weeks, let's blame Hunty. Well, we will be on board. It'll just be a repeat. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we might do something else. I'm, we might. I'm not, I don't really want to inflict our no. listeners with just repeats of past programs. I think we'll, we'll work something out with Faith FM. Uh, look, let's say right now it's not going to be a repeat. I know I won't be, I, I won't be here. I can, <clears throat> I can guarantee you, listeners, it will not be a repeat while Andrew's away for three weeks. <laughs> I can see him going a bit red there, wondering what. I don't know what we're going to do either. Hey, you've been keeping an eye on the news, mate? Always. Yeah. Uh, what about now? One thing, if you know Hunty, he's a tech guru. You are a tech man. I like How long tech. have you been doing tech? My whole you know, life. When I, and when I say tech, I'm talking what? Uh, sound engineer. Well, I think I started also, doing. I think I started doing sound for my home church when I was about ten. I think. Okay. What What drew you to it? Oh wow. Um, well, I actually liked music, and I started in music, and one yep. thing led to another. Once I was doing music, and the PA wasn't working, so I thought, well. How hard could it be to fix that? <laughs> I was wrong. But anyway, that's where I started. 
So you've you, you've been into you're you are a, a trained and qualified sound engineer. You're also into television. Love television. Uh, well, what yeah. sort of other things do you actually do in your job? Well, working for the Aussie Pastor, we um, we're across a lot of platforms. We're social media, YouTube, Facebook. We do uh, training videos. We do live broadcasts. We do radio. We do media advertising. It's all Christian, and I have been very so what, blessed. What do, you, what do you do though? What do you? you you're, you're all the you're above. Behind the ca- yeah, you're behind the camera. You <laughs> yes. do the sound. Yes. Uh, yes. You're, you're, you do the engineering for this program. Yep. Um, so this is going to be a story. I'm really going to push you on this. If you know Andrew Hunt, he loves Apple. I do. He loves Apple. Oh, here we computers, go. Here Apple we go. phones. <laughs> Apple. 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 Everything. In fact, the whole ministry Aussie path. That's right. Is Apple based because he won't let us use anything Not a else. PC inside. <laughs> and yet here today, tell us about this Apple hack. Well, look, there's basically two platforms for mobile devices in the world. There's Apple and there's Android. And if you're on an Apple phone, you're pretty much safeguarded. Your information, your security, it's pretty much 100% safeguarded and guaranteed. Whereas if you're on an Android phone and you use apps like WhatsApp or others, your personal data is is loose and available. You can be tracked and listened to. Your, your contacts can be stolen. Okay, okay, okay. But, so, but so, yes. And this is, a, this is a part of the story I like. I'm, I'm going to bring you around uh, yes, to the part I'm that I really re- enjoy. <laughs> I had to put this in. Yeah, but, but, but. Why? It would seem like a hacker's written some nasty code for the latest version of the Apple phone that allows them to embed themselves into your message app on your phone. Which is pretty dangerous, actually. Very dangerous, because once you're in the message app, you've got access to read contacts, see photos, listen to the microphone and the camera. So if you've got an Apple iPhone, be careful. You're not as safe as you thought you once were. Well, Although I hear you'll be happy to know Apple's fixed it. Apple's yeah. fixed the loophole. <laughs> well, have they fixed it? Because since this came out, and this only came out yesterday, I ain't got no update from them yet. Yeah, I haven't either. I wonder. I wonder if we have to get an update or whether they do it automatically. Oh, I don't know. I would have thought it was an update. But it just goes to show that you just cannot, even the most secure mm. companies in the world are mm. struggling when it comes to dealing with the hackers and those who really they're just dishonest people, aren't they? That's correct. With up to no good out there. That's what right. about this one? You've got a lady who goes down, her, her husband's a tradie. Uh, he's having a sleep and she goes down to the beach to have a sunbake in Queensland at a fairly popular beach at Mackay called Black's Beach. Now, I've, I've actually never been to Mackay, have you? Yes. I was supposed to go to Mackay this year preaching. Yes. In fact, I was going to go to, pre- I was going to go to Cairns, Townsville, Mackay and Darwin preaching for the church in Northern Australia, but COVID came out and I missed out on going to Darwin and Mackay, places I've never been. If you're listening to us in Mackay, g'day, we're glad to have you on board. I wish I'd been able to make it up to you, but a terrible crime. Just Let, uh, let me say g'day to days. the people in Mackay as well, because the people living in Mackay don't like to be said of living in Mackay. Well, I'm a Queenslander <laughs> and you're not, so where does that leave us? Well, I just know that people that come from Mackay like you to say Mackay. <laughs> well, if you come from Mackay, or Mackay, why don't you, why don't you let us know? Yes, whether text, it's us. Mac- text us Mac- who's right. 
Yeah, Mackay or Mackay, and yep. let us know on that. We would this like to girl, know. And this, to me, you know, i got two daughters, and this, to me, Hunty, is why I, I'm, I'm always in, you know, my girls actually live up at Foster. Yep. Beautiful place on, on the New South Wales beach. And whenever they tell me, often they'll ring me and they'll, they'll be talking to me and say, oh, Dad, we're on the beach and we're going for a walk. It actually puts a little shudder of fear down uh, my spine because here's this poor girl, goes down to the beach, doing some sunbaking. A 16-year-old girl just comes, boy, not girl, boy, mm, mm. comes onto the beach and just randomly begins to stab her. And she yep. cries out, of course, yep. in fear and is able to stagger to the top of the sand dune. A couple of tradies saw it was coming on and came to her rescue. The boy ran off and then you wouldn't believe it. The boy turns himself in a few hours later to the police. You think, what is going on in the head of this boy? And what is going on in the head of our young people mm, sometimes mm. when these sorts of things can happen? Unmotivated, malicious attack with a knife. Yeah. It's it's almost unfathomable that someone you know, would do that out of the blue. And you wouldn't think Mackay, Mackay, however you want to call it, Mackay is the sort of place where that sort of thing could happen. No. You know, a beautiful town. Yep. I, I wouldn't have thought a huge crime rate. And, yet, and a 16-year-old as well. What's a 16-year-old gotten so upset with life for that they're down on the beach stabbing random people? I don't know. But I, I found it a bit disconcerting. Mm, and, me too. Uh, yeah. And I have two daughters but, as well. Yeah, yeah. And... and mm. Kind of glad that my girl, the oldest one, and she's the one who really likes to work on the beach, a walk on the beach. She's a nurse. Kind of glad she's got a dog that she takes with her now. Yeah, it's, nice. It's a pretty. It's it's one of these dogs that's that's pretty territorial too. He's a Australian blue kelpie. You know what they're like. Yep. Good. good so nice. I kind of feel better about that. That when she goes down the beach now, she takes this this dog with her, and this dog's very attached to her. But man, what a what a culture. Yep. Uh, what a civilization we live in. When a girl. A 25-year-old girl can't go down to the beach and safely sunbathe uh, on an afternoon. Just incredible. Mm. And then there was this story I came which I found very interesting. It says climate change could force 216 million people out of their homes and into other parts of the country by 2050 to escape flooding, water scarcity and declining crop production. Kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, very. I mean, whether you believe in climate change or not, Hunty, and I won't push you on that, um, Something is happening out there, isn't it? Yep. Uh, it, it seems that we're getting drier and drier. The rain is coming less frequently and it's a lot more sporadic. So you kind of just praising God when you get a crop. And then when you do get rain, it often comes in floods and we're getting tornadoes that, and hurricanes and cyclones, which are fiercer than they've ever been. Uh, I mean, we just had that, that hurricane hit the, the southern east coast of the United States just a, a week or two ago, yep. causing terror. They reckon it's one of the most powerful hurricanes they've ever seen. And do you think there's something, when you read these sorts of uh, news articles or you hear them on the news on television or online, do you think there is just perhaps something going on in our world, mate? Yeah, I did Something's some, not I, right? I did some research after I read that article to see who the big polluters in the world are. And I've discovered that 30% of the pollution comes from China. And then I think to myself, well, that's demand for goods and services from the Western world that are causing China to be belching out all this pollution, which, which ties back to consumerism. And I think as a world, we want more stuff and we want it now. And I think that is causing the earth to groan. And I think we are going to pay a price for polluting our oceans with plastic and polluting our skies with, with toxins. And I, and I think the Bible's got a, a good point and a lot to say when it says we will know that we're in the last days because these kinds of 
environmental disasters will become more frequent. You know what I find interesting about what you just said then, Hunty, and I, I find it really interesting. Yeah, maybe 30% of it does come out of China, but if you go back, China also has uh, a great percentage of people in the world, doesn't it? Yes. And if you go back to a per capita um, per capita, there's a lot more pollution coming out of Australia per capita, so per person, than there is out of China. And I, I don't know, I find that quite challenging in a lot of ways, that we look at these countries which are big producers and we say, oh, it's all coming from them. But the reality is that a lot of it really is coming from us too. Yes. Yeah, amazing really. But <laughs> that's the sort of world we're in. Yep. So I, I think when, you, when, when, when you've got a, a world where you know, you see the dishonesty from people like hackers and others. When you see the violence that's happening, uh, you know, with people who just want to go to the beach, or you see uh, out there the the trials and the troubles and the challenges we're having with climate change, it kind of does push you, doesn't it, to look up and say, well, Lord, please come. You are going soon to have to save us. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This song, Hunty, it's called Bika Mono Vase, and it's from Zela. I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't say that right, but <laughs> it's a great song. It's a and when I heard song. it, I yeah. thought we need to listen to this one. I hope you enjoy it. Bika Mono Vase, Mono
a real good song that one from Sela it is well with my soul I call it Beacon Monove I don't know what that means but nice song I want to welcome to the program today Terry Johnson welcome Terry have we got you on there hello Lloyd and hello listeners of Faith FM glad to have you on board now your life's just gone through a significant change because you've just been elected the president of the Australian Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists briefly tell us what that means yes thank you Lloyd that is very true Two weeks ago, there was a virtual meeting that occurred, first time in the history of our church where we actually had a virtual meeting, and it was as a result of a constituency change, constitutional change on the 20th of June. So this means that uh, my responsibility goes from taking care of one conference to taking care of nine conferences, and it's really a uh, a very much a broad picture point of view, and, and I think... We have to think of it like this. There are 620 or so churches across Australia with 63,000 members. We have 50 schools. We have the 32nd largest aged care company in Australia. We have the only Aboriginal school for health and and uh, teaching uh, in Western Australia. 
Australia, and we also have ADRA Australia, which are all responsibilities of the Seventh-day Adventist Union, which is headquartered in Melbourne, which means that sometime towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, we'll have to transition from the wonderful harbour city of Sydney, which we love so much, down to the beautiful mecca of food in Melbourne, of course, which is going to be a challenge for me, uh, Lloyd, as you know, since I, I do love my food, and <laughs> therefore I'm going to have to be very, very disciplined about what I do and how I do it. Actually, I think you've been doing pretty good on your food the last year or two. Uh, Melbourne's not a good place for Lloyd Grolleman to go either. A couple of times I've been down there with my wife. Oh, boy. it's it's a, I like it. I like Melbourne a lot. Uh, I mean, you could probably say yeah, I'm a Sydney boy, but I love Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne has a has a, a really a big sports scene, and that's going to be interesting. Fortunately, having lived in WA for a few years of my life, I've learned a lot about the AFL, and so I'll be able to talk the language. I've got my Roman Catholic uh, cousin who is a huge uh, supporter of Carlton, and he's told me that I've got to support Carlton. And you know what? The Bible says... To the Carlton person, I'm going to be a Carlton supporter in order to win some for Christ. <laughs> uh, man, it's a boring game. <laughs> I can say that from up here. It's a, I've been trying to get a, and I am a really, I'm a, I'm a really a sports guy, you know, and I've been trying to get a hold of that AFL. I can't get a, a, a hold of it. We love you guys in the south of Australia. Hey, look, I, I got you on because I wanted to talk to you about COVID-19, something we're all a bit weary of, actually. Yes. Um, but I did want to ask you some questions because I think it's pretty important uh, for, for, to, to talk to you and perhaps in your new role. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, what does it actually mean Terry does? Well, he is actually the leader of the church in Australia, of the Adventist church in Australia, correct? So that correct. That, that's, that's a simple way of saying it. You're the leader of the church in Australia. Um, and so when you speak at, today, you are speaking for the, the church. And I just want to ask you, has COVID, and it's probably a simple question and a silly one in a way, has COVID-19 had an impact of the church here in Aussie? You know, it has had an impact to begin with. And then we realized that we could pivot. And one of the mm. most important things about the church is to reflect on its history and then also to be able to adapt to the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we have seen that the church has been able to adapt well. We haven't done very well at discipleship, but we've done very well at getting new people to connect with church and in. Sydney and I know around Australia we've had up to a fourfold increase in attendance at our prayer meetings and our programs as a result of COVID. The the area that we're struggling in, of course, is community engagement because of the lockdowns, but there have been uh, some really very good laws that have come in place to allow us to continue to engage within the health guidelines that have been provided by the different states. Hey, when I look at the United States of America, which is a big church country, you know, uh, you, you kind of see two views of the church over there. And I'm not talking about the Adventist church. I, I guess I'm talking generally of the Christian church where you get some Christian churches saying, well, look, we're going to cooperate with the government and lockdown. And then you get other Christian churches for whatever reason. They really, really do rise up. Uh, almost, I, I don't want to use the word rebellion because that is a wrong word, but they, they rise up against the government. What, what is the official position of the church here in Australia, of the Adventist church? Because we can only talk about the Adventist church. We don't reflect the entire Christian body. But what is the official position of the Adventist church re-lockdown? Do we lock down or should we be fighting against it? Where we're up to, where are we at, where, where are we at on that? It's a good question, and it, can, it comes down to our theological understanding. And when we're looking at Scripture clearly in the Old Testament, 
lockdowns were a part of life. If you were ill and they couldn't figure out why you were ill, you were locked down. You were actually sent outside of the camp on some occasions and and you had to prove that you no longer were infectious before you could come back in and worship together with, uh, with the camp. And so the principles that we see of lockdown are actually biblical principles. They're not They are not about religious liberty. They're about health and public health orders. And therefore, the official position of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is that we will adhere as long as it doesn't break our conscience, our conscious ability to make decisions for ourselves. And I think uh, to date, the government has done a good job of trying to navigate the obstacles of personal freedom balanced with the issue of the public safety and health. Let, let me push that religious freedom one a bit because I, I, as a pastor, I, I hear this a lot, sometimes from my, even my own church members. You said it's not really an issue of religious freedom, it's an issue of health. But when I want to go to church to worship with other believers and the government then says to me, no, you can't. Now, it is a health issue, but isn't it also an issue of religious freedom? Shouldn't the church be able to decide for themselves whether or not in a free country, in a democracy, uh, I I hear people say, well, my grandfather went up and fought in New Guinea in World War II and he fought for freedom and now we're giving our freedom up. Isn't it also an issue of religious liberty? So I think that there's a couple of things here. First of all, yes, our freedoms over the last 20 or 25 years have actually been slowly being eroded away. It started with uh, 9-11, and of course, a lot of the freedoms that we were used to were gone overnight because of terrorism, and we understand that, and we work with that. And of course, the other freedom that a lot of people don't talk about is the fact that in 2007, we had our first smartphones that came into play, and the freedom that most people think that they have because they've got access to the technology is actually not as freeing as they really uh, believe. It's actually quite uh, encapsulating. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is that we really need to take the time to define what religious freedom and freedom of conscience, the free will, are to ensure that we have a clear theology of what that means. And what we're doing at the moment is putting together a list of definitions that we will be releasing out to the church here in the next couple of weeks so that the church membership can actually take the time to read, to understand for themselves where do we stand on religious liberty. Uh, And the really important thing to remember is that while the government has said that we're not allowed to actually meet in church in fellowship, It would become a religious liberty issue if they told us that we weren't allowed to congregate in any form. And at the moment, we have Faith FM, we've got Hope Channel, we have 3ABN, we've got so many different opportunities, Zoom, live streaming, that allow us to continue to worship. And what I would say to anybody who is listening is that the church is not a building. It never has been a building. The church is the body of Christ, the people of God who are willing to reflect his character. It's wonderful when the church can come together and worship together in freedom, in spirit, and in truth. But church buildings are not church. Church is us. We can sometimes forget that too, can't we? Church is people. Actually, one of the things, I I don't know how you, you, you see this, Terry, but one of the things that I've been thinking is... Because uh, I get sometimes you think, oh, maybe this is a threat on my religious freedom, and but then you remember it's it's not just a church that can't meet and congregate. It's pubs, it's clubs, it's uh, 
it's football team, it's, it's football crowds, it, it's, it's everybody. It's, it's cafes, it's restaurants. No one yeah. can meet and congregate at the moment. We have all had our freedom restricted in the name of this virus. So it's not like the government is looking at the church and saying, you guys don't, while everybody else, you can. And the good thing is that we've actually been able to have weekly meetings with the government. We actually meet with the Minister of Multiculturalism, we meet with uh, the Minister of Health, Mr. Hazard, and we meet with Dr. Chant, and currently through key faith leaders, we're having conversations with these leaders of the public will, and those conversations are around the ideas of what should the government do when it comes to releasing or the, the restrictions that we're under and giving us more freedoms. How will the church be affected, and what key faith leaders from around New South Wales in particular, because this is where the issue lies, are saying is is uh, that churches should be dealt with in the same manner that a Coles and a Woolies are. Yeah, we are an yeah. essential service, and, and yeah. as, as an essential service, we would expect that we actually are open for all. And I, I hear both sides of the story here, Lloyd. There are mm. people who are vaccinated, who are very concerned that if they go to church and an unvaccinated person is there, that they may actually catch the virus. There are people who are unvaccinated who feel like if the rules change, that they will be limited in their expression. And so the the presidents of New South Wales have been in conversation. We had a long conversation on Monday, and we're, we're planning on, on having that conversation being shared with um, uh, Minister Hazard and Dr. Chant on this Wednesday afternoon through the key leadership teams. And we know that they're already listening because on Sunday, there were a couple of articles that showed that Minister Hazard was softening his position when it came to the restrictions on church and that they were considering not having the same obligations on church as they would on other areas of social engagement. And that's a good thing. Yeah, um, well, it brings me, I'll just ask you a couple of more questions because we're running out of time. But um, what will the church, the Adventist church, do if the government mandates that only vaccinated people can come to church? And I've had a number of concerned church members ask me that question. And look, it's it's a good question to ask because we don't want to have a situation where we have tier one and tier two Seventh-day Adventist members. We want members who are always going to feel that no matter what their position is, that they are cared cared for, catered for, if you will, in the services of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The presidents of New South Wales have been discussing this, and again, we're doing everything we can behind the scenes to talk to government. We've got another six weeks, and this is what I would say to church members and believers who are listening here on Faith FM. Let's not panic. One of the great things about being part of God's church is that long-suffering is one of the fruit of the Spirit. And long-suffering, you know, is that idea of patiently waiting upon the Lord to actually engage on our behalf. I'll just give you a very quick illustration of that, Lloyd. We had a situation in the last couple of weeks where we thought that the New South Wales government was actually going to institute Sabbath exams for the ATAR HSC for the year 12s because of the concerns that universities had that the results were not going to be published in time for them to be able to offer scholarships to students to come to the university. And immediately we got into gear. We got in touch with our Jewish uh, friends and we knew that Saturday exams were going to affect them just as much as it would affect us. And we got in touch 
touch with uh, the education department and immediately the education department, two days later I should say, uh, published the exam schedule and there are no exams on Sabbath. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Just being careful, building the network of friends that we have in government and in other faiths and talking through the issues of religious liberty so that everybody is catered for in a country that believes in democratic will. Okay, wait on the Lord, and I think that's good advice. Two more quick questions. Uh, With this vaccination thing, uh, it goes back and forward. Is there room for the two views, vaccinated and unvaccinated, in the church to coexist within comfort of each other? So can I, in other words, can I go to church with someone who, so, well, look, I've been vaccinated. Most of that's on the public record. I've had my AstraZeneca jabs, both of them. Is there room for me to go to church and sit next to a brother or a sister who hasn't been unvaccinated, who's not vaccinated, unvaccinated, and worship them in, with, with, in joy and unity to the Lord? Is there room for that? Absolutely. I I really believe that there is room for that. The church is a place for people with different opinions, and it is a place where loving relationships unselfishly are produced. Mm -hmm. And so that means that people who do not have the same opinion as I do are going to sit next to me singing a hymn uh, in the same manner. And here's what I would suggest for those who are a little bit concerned about that. The great pivot that we made in March of 2020 was to go online, live streaming, and Zoom. And churches should not step away from that because it has actually quadrupled the amount of people that we were able to connect with. Uh, The Greater Sydney Conference went from 7,000 people worshipping together on any given Sabbath to over 25,000 people worshipping together on any given Sabbath. And Lloyd, that does not include all the people that are watching the mm. programs that you actually produce. And mm. so when mm. we add that, we're talking seventy to 80,000 mm. people who are actually having an opportunity to hear the remnant message mm. that we are, we are so, find so dear. So I would say that if you're uncomfortable coming to church because an unvaccinated person is going to be there and you're a little bit fearful, well, stay at home, continue to worship with us. And if you're comfortable coming to church, you're going to have to still do some of the things that we have already implemented, which is to check in, wear a mask, not going to be able to sing. But I think that by the time we get to 85% of the population being vaccinated, that the government is actually going to release more of the restrictions, and probably around the 15th to 20th of December, we're going to have an opportunity to actually meet together and worship together, have Christmas together. Now, let me just say this, Lloyd. Clearly all all of the statistics show us that once we are open, uh, COVID will actually become a little bit more rampant. And we just Mm. have to recognize that for the first three to six months after we open our society up again, that there will be a lot of uh, COVID cases. But on the other hand, Lloyd, just one quick story. Um, Our aged care facility at Kings Langley two weeks ago had a staff member who tested positive. She was vaccinated Mm. and she worked for three days in a row before she found out that she was actually uh, COVID positive. And, of course, that meant that Kings Langley had to go into lockdown. And when it went into lockdown, all of our staff had to go into isolation. And, of course, we were praying for the land of Goshen, you know, Mm, to ensure that the plagues actually fall all the way around us and not Mm. on us. And today was the end of the 15 days since that day. And not a single COVID um, influenza was actually passed on to anybody else. Not a single resident had it. 
85% of the residents were vaccinated, 100% of the staff were vaccinated, and so her ability to actually infect was destroyed, and the ability for others to actually catch it was destroyed as well. So the enhancement was good. So not only did we have a good health message in the facility and the food that we are feeding and the exercise is good for the, the environment, but the vaccine actually helped significantly uh, minimize the risk that we potentially could have had. I, I think the reality is too, uh, when it comes to church attendance, with, uh, you know, after it's all opened up, we will have to get used to the fact that we are living with COVID. I, I was yeah. talking to a friend of ours, both of ours, Adam Ramden, over there in England, and he's just run a, a bunch of youth camps and teen and junior camps. He's telling me how out of a 100 or so uh, kids at each of those camps, they were sending anywhere between 10 and 20 home with COVID. And I said, well, wasn't that freaking yeah? He said, no, look, we've just learnt to live with it. And I think Australia's going to, as we get facts, and, and by the way, you look at my community here out here at Riverston, we are, do you know that we are apt up to 90% first dose vaccinations? Well mm. done, Riverston. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, and I think we're just going to have to get used to it, realise this is a part of life now, be careful, and treat each other, what's the word, pastor? Treat each other with... With respect and with love and, and unselfish love. And I just want to kind of bring our time together, Lloyd, by coming mm. to Romans chapter 13, which is the chapter that a lot of people spend a time looking at in terms of our responsibility towards government. But in Romans chapter 13, from verse 8 all the way through to the end of the chapter, the chapter is actually about last day events and how Christians should live in a last day environment. And the words that Paul uses are these. Love your neighbor as yourself, for love does no harm to its neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And in the book Education, page uh, 154, Ellen White, the author, writes these words, Unselfishness is the principle of God's kingdom, and it's the principle that Satan hates the most. Its very existence he denies, and from the beginning of the great controversy, he has endeavored to prove God's principles of action to be selfish, and he deals in the same way with all who serve God, and to disprove Satan's claim is the work of Christ and of all who bear his name. Therefore, love is the ultimate principle as exhibited in unselfishness, and that is why in the last days, God's church will have to exhibit love in such a manner that its neighbors are not harmed in any way uh, at all. And I, I think I shared with the, your audience last time I was here a passage from the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 5, and I just want to reiterate this because I think that this is the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be a church that, uh, as seen in verse 22, is filled with the Holy Spirit, who has joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And the picture that we have of Jesus in this unselfishness is the picture of Jesus putting on an apron, coming to the 12 disciples, and washing their feet. And I want you just to picture this in your mind. God comes down to humanity, and the way that he expresses the kind of government that he wants to have is for him to actually wash the feet of his people. And unfortunately... We keep going back to our human understanding of government being a top-down authority, titles, and when you look at pictures of the second coming, and you see Jesus coming in the clouds, and then you see the next picture of Jesus meeting with all of the saints sitting at a table eating food, normally Jesus is on a throne at the far end of this massive picture. But if Jesus truly is the 
manifestation of unselfishness, I think the real picture of Jesus that we should have is that when we get to heaven and we're actually sitting at that banqueting table and all the beautiful food comes out that is going to be magnificent in terms of its taste and its color, that the first person who will actually be serving us will be Jesus wearing an apron. Mm -hmm. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we the embodiment of that? I think too often we're not. I think too often we're actually the embodiment of verse 16 of Galatians, filled with discord, hatred, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions. And that's not the church that God is actually calling us to be. And, you know, there's plenty of uh, of other uh, pa- passages from Spirit of Prophecy from Ellen White that I think are important for us to share. And let me just share this from Acts of the Apostle. The church is the repository of the riches of the grace of Christ. And through the church will eventually be made manifest, even to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, the final and full display of the love of God. And so God is actually waiting for a church to be completely unselfish in the way that it's dealing with things. Not to be selfish and saying, hey, I want to have this. The rest of you, I don't really care about. No, no, no. We should be the ones who are actually at the forefront of the conversation and saying, what can I do to make your life less miserable and to me less harmed? I think that's a good uh, place to finish. Thank you, Pastor Terry Johnson. We wish you all the best uh, as you go uh, down to Melbourne. Um, hope you enjoy the cold and the wet and the rain and the AFL. Uh, we'll get you back on board soon. We'll talk about uh, that uh, religious freedom document that you're putting together. I think that might be very interesting. God bless you. See you next time. Blessings. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Now, Hunty, yes. we do want to get people to send their questions in today for us, the we Aussie do. Pastor. We do. They can ask. They can ask anything, eh? Anything. Uh, yeah, absolutely anything. And that's yep. the beauty of this segment. We want to itch where you scratch. So, any question you have about God, the Bible, your existence, your future. Let the Aussie pastor have it, and we'll put it to him right here on Faith FM. How do they get to us, mate? It's very easy. You can text us your questions on 0488-880-851, or you can email them to us, info at aussiepastor.com. You haven't learned that number yet, have you? <laughs> I might how many weeks? How many weeks have we been going 28? now? Twenty-eight. Zero four eight 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 zero eight five one. Yeah, oh, I don't think that. I've got it. I've learned info at AussiePastor.com. I can do that, hunty. That's not too hard. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it's easy. Yep. yep. But we, I, look, I really, seriously, bring those questions in. I yes. find it one of the most interesting segments we do. Yes. Hey, you know what, hunty? When yes. you're away on holidays for three weeks, we're going to revamp this show. Are you? Yes, we are. We're going to revamp about what we me. can do. Oh, we're just going to come back and do it a bit different after you get back. Why not? I'm looking f- yeah, why not? I like hey, this is a good. This is a good song, Lean On Me by Crystal Lewis. Can you hear him? 
He loves you more than you'll ever know. Instead of walking away, open up your heart. from Crystal Lewis. Hope you enjoyed that one, Hunty. That was awesome. Thank you. Yep. Now, we've got uh, Harold Harker online. Are you there, Harold? I'm here again. Yeah. Very good to have you on board today. It's great to be with you. We, we looked, Last week, for our listeners, we talked about a little island called Iona up there in Scotland. We're going to move a little bit south, further south today, just over the border into England to an island called... Lindisfarne. Can you tell us exactly where Lindisfarne is, Harold? Well, Iona was off the west coast of Scotland, but as you come south, Lindisfarne is on the east coast in the very northern part of England, just below the Scottish border. Now, they call Lindisfarne, very picturesque little island. They call it the Holy Island. Why do they call it the Holy Island? The Holy Island got that name because it was the centre of Christianity and that followed on for hundreds of years. And so they called it the Holy Island because Christianity used this as one of its great centres to spread the message of Jesus throughout England and Scotland. Now, when you talk about Christianity, I think we're talking again about Celtic Christianity, not Roman Catholicism. Is that correct? That's correct. Celtic Christianity was the Christianity of the, the apostles and the scripture, the Bible was their authority and it spread right through from Ireland with Patrick up to Columba and Iona and then it moved down to Lindisfarne and these were their centres that influenced vast areas of the country. In some ways these were their colleges almost of training there where the, where the young people would go to to learn the bible before they then go out through england scotland ireland and then even on to europe is that correct that's correct in fact iona was recognized almost the same the same uh, quality as a university and students flocked there from ireland and britain and scotland uh, it was great so Lindisfarne, in a sense, is an offshoot school to Iona, correct? It's a daughter of Iona because from Iona, the first missionaries came to northern England and set up the place at Lindisfarne. Now, Lindisfarne, it's a quirky little place, actually. And what I mean by that is it, it, it has a very unusual way that you get from the mainland to the island. Now, when you go to Iona, you've actually got to get on a ferry. 
to get Correct. from Mull, was it? Mull? Uh, yes. Across to Iron. It's not a long trip, maybe, what, two, three hundred metres or something? Not oh, long. Not long. Yeah, uh, not uh, long. Yeah. Yeah, you do it pretty quick. But this one, you don't get on a ferry. Tell us about it, Harold, because when I, look, I went, I went to Lindisfarne with, uh, Harold Harker. He was the leader of a tour group of the Reformation. I just love this place. I found it amazing. Tell us how you get from the mainland to Lindisfarne. Well, you drive there, but it's on a causeway, and the causeway gets flooded when the tide comes in. <laughs> now you have to choose your time, and then if you go late, you're, you're isolated there for a few hours till the tide goes out again. I remember you telling us to get, I think it was on the bus, as the tide was starting to get back in, uh, come back in, because you were worried we'd stuck out there. Hey, yeah. did you know, Harold, that at least once a month a car or a bus gets caught by the tide on that causeway? That's why they put big notices up. <laughs> Do you know, though, why they don't put gates that go up and down? Did you ever come to a grips? I, I found this out today. Do you want to know what it is? Tell me. The locals who live on Linda's farm can't be bothered with the gates because it's a pain to get out and put them down and put them up. <laughs> so there are no gates. So every month at least one car gets stuck on that causeway with the tide coming in and, you know, the sea gets into your car, wrecked. Anyway, let's go back to Linda's farm. How did it actually become a missionary centre? Well... In North Humbria, which was the whole northern area of England, King Oswald was the king, and he wanted to have the Celtic church, and so he sent a message across to Iona and said, will you send me a missionary? And they sent Aidan, who came there in 635 AD. And so Iona birthed Lindisfarne, and that birthed the Christianity in Northumbria. Now, can you just remind me one more time about this Celtic church? How is it different than the Church of Rome? Because as the Celtic church, which is the ancient uh, church of the apostles, is spreading through England, Ireland and Scotland, Rome herself was growing over in Italy. That, that's fair, isn't it? Um, that's but there, is a significant, there are some significant differences between Rome and the Celtic church. What are they, Harold? Or, or just give us a few. The major one that was the problem here was the authority of Scripture alone as the total authority. There are other papal doctrines that Aidan and the Celtic Church refused to get, but the Scriptures were there. They also lived a life of poverty and uh, actually how they cut their hair. And the Catholic Church had a, a circular tonsure on top. The Celtic Church didn't, and that was one of the big things. And the issue that really caused the Celtic church to, to wane was the issue of Easter and a big uh, gathering came about 20 years after and the king then chose the Catholic church way of doing Easter. So really what you're saying is the Celtic church would make a big deal about the cross but not a, a big deal about the, the actual celebration of Easter itself. They still had Easter but Easter was celebrated uh, originally, all Christians celebrated Easter the same time as the Jewish Passover yeah. on the 14th day of Nisan. But then Alexandria brought in a cycle of 19 years to find it from the full moon, uh, whereas the Celtic had the first one they worked 
worked on with 82-year cycle. And the okay. difference meant they were celebrating Easter side by side on different times. Okay. So, yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I think I get what you mean. The, the Celtic Church was really going on the Jewish calendar of when... Uh, things went down with Christ and the cross and the Catholic Church was going more with the pagan calendar of Easter, Esatar, etc. Really, though, what the difference... I think if we can bring it back down to one thing, the difference between the Celtic Church and the Catholic Church was the Celtic Church, it was the Bible and the Bible alone, whereas the Catholic Church was the Bible plus tradition and, and the popes and what they would say. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um Tell me more about Aidan. Do we know much about him, where he preached, uh, where he went? Well, Aidan was originally an Irish fellow that went to the uh, place of learning in Iona, and when he came there, the King Oswald actually went around with him and was often his interpreter. I guess they must have had a different language or different dialect in northern England, but Oswald was a Celtic... Uh, supporter and worshipper, and that's why he chose and, and Aidan, who had full royal support there, while he established Lindisfarne. Do we know much about King Oswald? Uh, king Oswald, he ruled, he was the king there from about six thirty three to six forty two. So he was there for nine years as the king, and the Celtic Church really got a great foothold in northern England, and, of course, it was in Scotland from Iona. But the, remember, the Catholic Church had sent their first guy, Augustine, over in 597, so it was moving up from the south, mm. uh, whereas the Celtic Church was mainly in the north of the country. Quite amazing, really, isn't it, uh, how you get these two great movements at the same time. Uh, did they set a school up at Lindisfarne like they did at Iona? Yes, Aidan was one who established schools and uh, he uh, had a great school in, in, in Lindisfarne, just like Iona. In fact, from these schools at Lindisfarne, they sent their missionaries right across northern England uh, and across to Europe, as you mentioned before. Mm. Do we actually know how long Aidan lived? Yeah, well, we know that he, he died in uh, the year 651. Now, the king would live at Bamberg, just across from Lindisfarne, and he died there in 630, uh, 651. So he would have been going for 16 years as the leader of the Celtic Church there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting story. Do we know what happened to the island after he died? Did they continue to be a Celtic centre of learning, worship and, and missionary endeavour? Well, after a while, the uh, the Vikings actually came and they invaded all of the east coast and even around the west coast of England and they wrecked the place and it became a no place to go for hundreds of years until a Benedictine order said, we'll, we'll care for the buildings and rebuild it. So there weren't really any famous missionaries come from Lindisfarne after Aden? Oh, yes, there were. Aidan was followed by Finian. Yep. He was followed by Coleman. And uh, after that, there are, uh, there are four brothers who came there, Sen uh, and Chad, and they became bishops of the Celtic Church. Okay, so it was really, it was the Vikings that came that stopped that movement cold and attracted, literally wiped, murdered it out. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. 
But I also would say one of the big problems was this uh, Synod of Whitby, which was in 664. Yep. And that's when the, the next king after Oswald, he said, well, I can't have my wife worships Easter on this day. I worship on another one. And so he had a great big gathering of all the leaders and he said, okay, Peter was given the keys. I'm going to follow Peter, so I'll be the Catholic Church. And the Celtic Church retreated northwards and westwards. Did the Celtic Church survive through the years, or did it kind of die out? It kind of died, but there have always been some who worshipped as they did. They kept the commandments. They even kept the Sabbath. But as the influence of Rome continued to expand, the Celtic Church was forced to a few corners in Wales and up in Western Scotland. Okay, so really what you're saying is that um, Catholicism started to gain a foothold, ascendancy. So it really wasn't until Henry VIII, a long, long time later, that Protestantism, if you call Protestantism the descendants of the Celtic Church, which I think we can, Protestantism right. made a comeback in England. Yeah. Okay. What's Lindisfarne like today, Harold, as I close? What's it like today? Lindisfarne's a great place to visit. There is a castle that was built on the end of the island, but they have the the um, museum there. They have the relic of the church, and that museum is great because it was also they had the Lindisfarne Gospels that were written there. Okay. So it was a great place to shed the, to spread the Bible and to teach people about the Bible. So we have, we have Iona, now we have Lindisfarne. I think next time we come back, Harold, we, can we talk about Aidan? I'd like to know more about him. We, we can talk in full about Aidan. He'll be a great guy. Yeah, so. I, th- I think he's got a story worth telling too. Hey, thanks for coming on board again today. Great story, the story of Lindisfarne. Look forward to seeing you next time, Harold. God bless. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Humpty, we're about to do Ask the Aussie Pastor. Well, in a little bit. We are. If you've got any question on anything. Yes. Anything. Anything. Anything How do you all, contact us, mate? You can text your questions to us on 0488 880 851 or you can email them to us, info at aussiepastor.com. And yeah. we would love to, I think we've only got a couple today, not a lot in yet. No, not a lot in. Hey, this, it could be a pretty short sec- segment, mate. Could be, it could be a short <laughs> segment, but that's okay because we're way behind our schedule today. Ah, uh, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's because we're doing live interviews and we've been looking and talking a lot. Hey, here's a nice song. Uh, it's called I Bowed. This my is a group favorite, that you know. My favourite this is a, group. <laughs> yeah, Hunty knows this group well. I think. Have you ever done any work with them? Yeah, I told the, the last concert tour of Australia. I told them did this sound. I loved it. It was probably and, the, the and, highlight of my um, touring musical career. And they're good friends of yours too, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, good friends as well. Yeah. So I'm going to let you introduce. I love you to introduce the song <laughs> and the group. Sure. Well, they're called Faith First, and the song is entitled "I Bowed on My Knees." So fair 
Beautiful song. Oh, yes. Beautiful song and beautifully, beautifully sung. Uh, I'd like to hear them live one day, Hunter. Oh, I hope they come back out to Australia. They're actually about to do a live concert, simulcast around the world, in the okay. next couple of weeks. I'll let you know the details. Yeah, look forward to that. Mm. Now, look, I, this is RC Aussie Pastor. Yes, We're here, it's time. And bef- before you you um, go anywhere yes. with the questions you've got, yes. I've got a friend in Western Australia. His name's David. Yep. He's been trying to get through to us for weeks mm. with two questions. Okay. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry, David. Somewhere on our end, it's broken down, but they're two very short, simple questions. And he sent them to my own personal. Wow. Account. I don't know how he did it, but somehow he, he was able, maybe I gave it to him. I can't remember, but he got hold of my personal phone that not many people get a hold of, Hunty. Well, that's pretty cool. And he sent them through to me. Can I read them out? Please. Question one, number one, why the seventh day Sabbath? Pretty simple question. Yep. Well, simply, uh, and, and I'll give a simple answer and a short one too. It's the seventh day Sabbath is number one because God created it at creation for mankind, not for the Jews, not for the Hebrews, certainly not for the seventh day Adventists. It was made at, at the end of Genesis one, the beginning of Genesis chapter two. God finishes creation. He makes the seventh day Sabbath. And then it was reinforced in the law of God given to the children of Israel, uh, the best part of 2000 or more years later. Uh, at the bottom of Mount, well, though, the children of Israel at the bottom of Mount Sinai, God on the top of Mount Sinai wrote the Ten Commandments in stone with his hand in the middle of it is the Sabbath day. So, so that's why the Sabbath. Mm. How's that sound, Hunty? Pretty that's simple. Pretty simple. That's yep. why the Sabbath. God made it a creation. He reminded the Hebrews it's there in the New Testament, never disappears. Why? Because it's about God and his people together. Time of healing, a time of fellowship. And a beautiful time of worship. Love the Sabbath. And this second word, second question, really easy question. David, thank you for these. More of these easy questions. The meaning of the word Adventist. And he said, thank you. Well, it's, it's, it, it, do you know what that actually means, the word Adventist hunting? Can uh, I ask that one to you? Uh, no, I, I think I'll enjoy hearing no, no, your come explanation. On. You've been an Adventist all your life and you're the best part of 56, <laughs> seven years old. Do you know what that, what, 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 Adventist means? Um, what not, if I say, not I give you, oh, let me give you a clue. I'll give yes. our listeners a clue too. Yes. How about the clue parousia? The Greek word. No, I don't, don't know Greek. <laughs> We're doing a radio program, but I can see Hunty over there in his studio, one point something K from me, and he had a look of horror on his face. <laughs> That's my best shrug. <laughs> if you have a look at our church, it's called Seventh Day Adventist. It means Sabbath keeping. Believers who preach and teach that Jesus is, come on, hunty, coming soon. Yes, yes. Did you forget that old fella? No, that's what I was thinking, but I thought, surely it's not that easy. Surely there's a more difficult answer than that. No, it's that easy. No, not. Sabbath-keeping believers who believe that Jesus is coming soon. Coming in the literal clouds of heaven, literally cannot wait for Jesus to come. Your turn, Hunty. Okay. Thank you, David, for the question. Good questions, yes. So I've been waiting for this question for 28 weeks. Finally, someone has asked a question about the Trinity. Are you ready? Yeah. Is God one person or three? God is three persons, one God. Those persons are... God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are three separate, distinct individuals. 
with their own personalities and their own roles in the salvation of man, but they are together one God. So that's, Three persons, so that's your answer, it's one, one God. God. Well, that's what the Bible says. There is some mystery to it, but just because there's mystery to the Trinity doesn't mean we shouldn't believe it. So when Jesus was on earth praying to God... Jesus, when he came to earth, put aside his divinity, put aside his Godhead, become a human being. Right. It's still God, but it's right. cloaked in humanity. So when Jesus prays, he's praying to God the Father right. uh, in heaven. He makes that very clear when he says, this is how you have to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think that's in Matthew chapter 6. So, look, it's not an easy concept, the concept of who is God. I mean, in Isaiah chapter 6, when God is standing there by the throne, by the uh, blue throne, hunting. Mm. The lapis, um, lapis blue. <laughs> the lapis blue throne. When God is standing there, um, who is standing there? Is it God the Father? Mm. Is it God the Son? Is it God the Holy Spirit? They, God is a, they are spirit persons, so they're not... Well, well, Jesus is now since since the cross, but uh, and since he came and lived on the earth. But the the other God, the Father and God, the Holy Spirit are spirit persons. In other words, they're not flesh and blood like us. So, who was standing there? Well, I don't even try to answer that. It was God. It was God that was standing? Who is God? Well, God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Is God the Father God by Himself? Yes. Is God the Holy Spirit God by Himself? Yes. Is God, is Jesus God alone? Yes. Are they God together? Yes. Uh, the Bible's very clear. God is uh, one God in three persons. Hope that helps, Hunty. But Excellent. I know it's, it's, it's a Excellent. pretty, pretty, pretty challenging subject. And you got another curly question. Um, if after you die you sleep until the second coming, uh, why is it that Elijah and Moses are mentioned as already being up there? Can I give you that question to answer? Um, well, I think they were translated, which means I think they were taken to heaven early special. Uh, can you prove that? Oh, only from the Bible. Do you know where to go? Do you know the story? Tell us the story of Elijah. I love him, this. Love him. You know what? We've actually got, we've got another guest coming online right now. Oh, we're running out of time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Who might be able to answer the question even better than I can. <laughs> But I'm enjoying asking you. I know, right? Elijah was translated in a chariot of fire. Moses actually died. And God sent an angel down and he was resurrected. He went back to heaven. I think uh, in some ways, uh, and Enoch's up there as well. So it's not just Moses and Elijah. Enoch is there. Enoch was translated. He never died. The Bible says God came and took him. Uh, Elijah, he never died. He was translated straight up there in, the, in a fiery, fiery chariot. And Moses died, he was resurrected and taken up there. So we know there's more than three human beings up there because when Jesus died, the Bible says there's a resurrection of, the, of a few of the saints. We don't know how many. And they actually went into Jerusalem. I think we talked about this the other day. Mm, we, did. we did. And they shared the testimony of, of Jesus, the, the Saviour, the risen Saviour. Then they went to heaven as well. But how many humans are up there? Not a whole lot, but, but there are some up there already. How I wish I was one of them, mate. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Okay, go okay. on, next um, one. So, last question. Does Jesus, oh, does Jesus Not have many a, this week. No. Does Jesus have a sense of humour? Did he ever laugh? Uh, look, you know what? <sighs> Are you there, Hensley? Can you hear me? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me get Hensley. Can you, can you hear me, Hensley? He's got you. Yeah, hey, hello, Lloyd. Hello, Hunty. Hensley's going to come on and we're going to talk in a, in a minute about the Bible and how to read the Bible. Um, Hensley is a... Uh, 
a teacher, a lecturer at Avondale University, and he lectures actually in training pastors how to become pastors. Uh, young men and women how to become pastors. Uh, what about that one? Did did Jesus ever laugh, Hensley? Yes. Uh, at times you would read the Bible and you would see that Jesus was having a good laugh. For example, when he would call uh, John and James sons of thunder. I mean, that, that, that's, that's funny in itself, you know. Uh, the second thing, Lloyd, I mean, if Jesus didn't have a good sense of humor, if he didn't, you know, you know, was a pleasant company, would you invite him at your wedding? Would you invite him to have lunch with you? I mean, I like to invite people that I can have a good laugh with. Do you think he would have been a happy sort of person to be around? Like, being around Jesus, you would have been in a happy sort of a place? I mean, people love being with him. Like, you know, I want to invite you and Hunty to my lunch table on Saturday afternoon. After we eat, we only laugh. We only laugh from you know from two o'clock till five o'clock. It's only laughter. Yeah. So I mean, nobody would invite Jesus if he was not you know somebody that made them laugh. That was a pleasant company to be in. And as I said, I gave you the example of um, a a calling J- James and John sons of thunder. I mean, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he yeah. gave nicknames to his disciples. Yeah. So you think he was a man of joy? He was a man of, of great joy. Don't forget that in John he says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And later on he says, I've come to make your joy fulfilled. You know, so yeah. he's a man of joy. He gives us joy. I think I'm happy with that. Are you, Hunty? Oh, that's a great answer. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I actually, people have asked me that one through the years, and I like to say, well, it's not so much whether he laughed or not, it's whether it was Jesus a man of joy, was someone to, who to be around would be in, in, happy, and there's no doubt, is there? That Now, look, we're going to be back with Hensley in just a moment, but yep. before that, I think we've had enough of uh, us Aussie pastor this yep. week, Hunty. Yep. More than enough. Uh, our next song, well, let's not even bother with the sting, hunty. Okay. Let's just go into the next the song. song. Love it. So we can save a bit of time. Are you ready, mate? Yeah, let's Mansion go. Over the Hilltop. You may ask me, why do you serve the Lord? Is it just for heaven's gain Or to walk those mighty streets of gold Or to hear the angels sing Is it just to drink from that fountain That never But he brought me the light 
The Heritage Singers singing <laughs> If Heaven Never Was. That's right. You enjoyed that, didn't I you, did. Hunty? I did. I got it wrong. You know why I got it wrong? Because I'm skipping songs and skipping the program. Because I wanted to get to Hensley and talk to him about this really important subject today. Welcome to the program, Hensley. Okay, good afternoon. Good afternoon to your audience also, Lloyd. Now, as I said afternoon, before, Hensley. yeah, as I said before, Hensley uh, is a... Uh, a theology lecturer at Avondale University, teaching young men and women how to be pastors. And I wanted to come to you today, Hensley, to talk to you about the Bible, how to study the Bible, how to read the Bible, so it's relevant and intimate and practical and making a difference in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. I want to start off by asking a simple question. Um, when I read the Bible, there's a whole lot of different versions. How many versions of the Bible is there? Do we even know? And is there one particular that I should read? I think um, you should read the Bible that you have in your hands. That's the simple answer. Um, The Bible is the Word of God, and whether you have it in different versions, read the Bible that you have in your hand. Read the Bible that you are comfortable with. I know that there are some, a lot of people that are very comfortable with the King James Bible. They've learned words, phrases. Uh, my wife is one of them, you know. And, and, you know, read the Bible that you have. Uh, not being an English speaker, uh, I, tra- I tend to go for an easier and more modern English. Um, so what, what, used... do, what's, what version do you like to use, just personally? So I've, 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 I've used three versions, the NIV. Yep. Um, I mean, like, I've, I've, I've had, I had a friend whose father was a translator of the NIV. So, I mean, I have, I have, I have a lot of fun with him. And then I've, I've gone to the NASB. Yep. And right now I'm with the ESV, which is a bit of a cross between the NIV and the NASB and the KJV. So it's a cross of those three. You know, so I'm, I'm reading a version that's, you know, because I'm not English, uh, English is not my first language. Just try a version that's a bit easier English for me. What is your first language? Uh, that's a good question, you know. Yeah. Um, my mother would like me to say French, but the reality is Creole is my first language, is my, is my mother tongue. Do you actually read the Bible in French and in Creole? Uh, the translation in Creole j- was just made available. So Creole for a long time was a spoken language, not a, a read language or a written language. Uh, but I do read the Bible in French, and I do enjoy reading the Bible in French. Okay, fair enough. So basically mm-hmm. what you're saying is just, look, find a Bible that you can understand and read it. Yes, yes. 
Now, when I get into reading the Bible, say I'm coming to the Bible for the first time and we're looking to, for Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, because I think you'd agree if you want to know about Jesus, the Bible's the place to go. Yes, true. Where do you think I should start? I don't know where to start. Should I start at the beginning of the Bible and just read it like a novel, or, or what's your advice? My first advice would be start with a prayer. Start with a prayer. The Bible is the word of God. If I want to know more about Jesus, I go to the Bible. In any case, the Bible tells the story of Jesus. So I would start with a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to help me read for the Bible. Uh, the second thing is, I think there are two things that are very important in reading the Bible. The first thing is time. If you want to read the Bible, you need to have time. Um, it's hard to read the Bible in five minutes. You need to have time. Spend time with it. The next thing is humility. You know, Lloyd, um, strange thing. Uh, every time I read the Bible, I realize that I know very little in a vast ocean of knowledge. And so every time I try to study and try to learn a little bit more, I'm finding myself going into more depth and realizing that there are there is a greater knowledge out there. So there's a vast ocean of knowledge. So when I read the Bible, I come to the Bible with humility, knowing that I, I have a reading of the Bible. It's not the only reading. Many people have read the Bible, and they all have a good, valid a valid reason to read the Bible. So I would, I would say, you know, make time. Time is very important. How, how much time? I, I'm, I'm, I'm right at the beginning of this. I've, I've never read the Bible before. I've got, mm. I've got hold of a, say, let's, let's say an NIV Bible somewhere. How much time should I allow? So, like, I'll, I'll give you what Martin Luther used to do. He used to spend an hour a day with the Bible. So when I first start off, would it be reasonable to put aside an hour, or is it too much or not enough? Again, uh, that's very personal. Pers personally, I put an hour a day to read the Bible. Yep. At but least an hour a day to read the Bible. Um, that's me, you know. Um, it, look, I mean, some people can listen to the Bible through the Bible app, Others can read the Bible. I mean, listening to the Bible for the Bible up is a very good thing to do because the Bible was heard in the first century, not read. So, yeah, I would spend. I said, spend time. I mean, what, whatever you can, then you basically whatever say. you can. I what? spend an hour, but spend time. So, would it be fair to say, spend as much time as you feel inside yourself you're comfortable with? Some yes. people, when they first start reading the Bible, might only do five or ten minutes. Other people might do an hour. Some people might read, be so fascinated they go three or four hours. Is that True. is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. So, yeah, but but you need okay. to time to read. Yeah. So where do I start? Do I start at Genesis one, or, or how does that work? I would say, you know, I'm, I mean, I've got a slight preference for the New Testament. I would say start with the Gospel of Mark. Is there a reason why you'd say that? Uh, I, first of all, I like the, uh, the New Testament. And the second thing is everyone wants to know the stories of Jesus. Those stories are fascinating. And starting with the Gospel of Mark, maybe the quick Gospel, it's not very long. It doesn't prolong the stories. It doesn't start with a genealogy like Matthew does. And so it's quick, snappy, uh, and, and quickly you get to the stories. So, yeah, start with the Gospel of Mark. 
Okay, so you'd start reading the Gospel of Mark, which yeah. is the story of Jesus. Um, what happens, and I don't even like to ask this question, but what happens if I come to the Bible, I've prayed, I've, I'm, I'm trying to ask the God to give me a humble heart, I'm starting in the Gospel of Mark, and I get to start reading it, and I'm struggling, and I'm finding it boring. What's mm. going on? Is that possible, or is it not Possible. Reason I ask that is because a lot of, especially young people who get into the Bible initially, they'll say to me, "Look, I want to do it, but I'm getting into it, and I'm, to be honest, I'm, I'm really struggling to concentrate and stay with it." Mm. What, what do you say about that? No, no, no. It is, it is totally possible. That's why I say always try and read in community. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not an island. The Bible in the first century was heard in community. I have friends that have community where they read the Bible. I know last semester they went through the the book of, of Galatians. You know, read in community. Find a community that you enjoy being with and read the Bible with them. So they used to go together, have a kappa, do things that, that, that they like, you know. Uh, then they read the Bible in community. Now we can't do that. I know those friends are reading uh, in community by... Uh, having a virtual kappa. So they all have their kappa in their house and they start reading, reading in community. You bounce off each other. So that's how I think it, it, it doesn't get boring. What but happens though if I can't do that? Uh, well, it, because it, there could be there could be people listening to this program. The reason I'm saying that, sorry, mm-hmm. I don't want to push you too much on this, but sure. th- there would be people listening to this program that have nothing to do with church, have no mm-hmm. community, wouldn't even know where to go, go to start that. So they open the Bible, I start to read it, and they're struggling a bit in, so say, then, the book of Mark. Okay, okay, then then, then come with some questions. Come come with some questions, and and uh, uh, it's always best to keep it simple. Somebody would say, uh, I don't know if you will allow me to use that word online, or else if you don't allow me, Hunty can bleep me. I mean, keep, keep, it, keep it simple, stupid. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. You know, keep it very simple. Very simple question, uh, questions you ask. For example, you read a story and you ask, what's the plot here? Okay? Um, I think... Uh, Hunty's favorite story in the Bible would be Jesus turning water into, into grape juice. Okay, you know, maybe that's his favorite story in, in the it. Bible. Okay, uh, ask yourself what's the plot, and the plot is simple: Jesus turns water into in, in, into grape juice. You know, so so that's very simple. So 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 ask yourself those simple questions. So uh, what's the plot? Okay, so once you find the plot, which is which is quite simple, you ask yourself: Hey, I wonder what are some of the important words in this text? So you look at the important words, of course, the word wine would be important, the word they have no more wine would be important, and the word, you know, uh, changing, maybe you might say, are, are important words. So just look, hey, these are important words that are in, in this text, you know, so it's, would you say that's still simple, Lloyd? Yeah, 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 I'd say that. So I'm listening to what you have to say. I'm interested, actually, uh, because people ask me these questions too. They say, well, I'm having to go at the Bible. I'm finding it a bit difficult. Hey, when you're in the Bible, if you're you're getting bored, um, Mm -hmm. can you apply it to yourself at all, or is that shouldn't I do that? No, no, no. Uh, Every scripture you can apply to yourself. Let's go back to Hunty's uh, favourite text of the Bible. Yep. Uh, 
Jesus turning water into grape juice. Actually, while you're going back there, Hunty and I went to Israel a, in 2019. We mm-hmm. actually tasted some... We were in Nazareth, I think, Hunty. Yeah, we were. And we bought some pure Hebrew, Israeli grape juice. Have you ever tasted that? That's beautiful, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I was supposed to bring huh. that grape juice home mm. and share it with mm. the rest of the church. i got to acknowledge to you that before we took off, I drank the whole lot. Mm. It was just <laughs> delicious. And they say in that story that Jesus' grape juice was even better than that stuff. So I could just... I, that was a little sidetrack. Let's get back to the story. Okay, go for it, Hensley. But you see, like, what you've done is amazing. You've related it to a story of, of your own, you know, uh, like like myself, you know. I mean, whatever you, you find in Israel, whether it is uh, the, the falafel, whether it, whether it is a good cheesecakes that they have, I mean, I love the lot, you know. Yeah, me too. We put on weight over there, man. We put on weight over there. We came back bigger than we, we went. That's something, wasn't it, Hunty? Yeah, so, so tell us. Um, I, I'm, I'm into Hunty's story on Jesus turning the water into grape juice, into wine. Uh, um, how would you apply that? What, what are you going to tell us about that? Yeah, all right. The story is Jesus changed water into wine. A man was getting married and then he had no more wine. Now, I think about my own life. I've spent my whole life as a pastor. Now I'm, I'm a lecturer. I think about my own life. There are days when my courage fails. There are days when my strength fails. I mean, we are all married men here. And there, there are days when love is not enough. And so when I look at those days... I can still turn to Jesus and say, help me. And, and I don't know if you know that song, but it's, it, the song says, when we have reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father in heaven has only begun. Yeah. Now, coming back to Hunty's story, like Jesus changed water into wine. Do you know, uh, Lord, how much water was changed into wine? No, I, I don't know exactly, but it, would have been, it was a wedding, so it would have been a, a little bit. Substantial. So it, it's around 700 to 1,000 litres wow. that Jesus takes wow. to turn into wine. Wow. Just wow. to give you an example, my wife used to buy the Patriti grape juice from South Australia, and she sold it in the western suburb of Melbourne so that we could get some money and send to orphanages and teachers in Burma. Mm-hmm. Okay, so teachers that work in the villages and orphanages, we would. So I think I told you that uh, that story l- l- last week. I, I yeah. don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Now she would bring a truckload and three pallets full of grape juice. So I asked her, I mean, how many liters did you bring? And she brought hundred liters, and they needed a truck, three pallets on the truck. Wow. But Jesus changed seven hundred liters of grape juice uh, of water into wine. Which tells me that at times when my courage fails and, and Jesus takes over, I mean, he gives and gives more abundantly. And I think we've all experienced that. So I can, ex- I can apply that not only to my professional life, I can ap- apply that to my physical life, but I can also apply that to my marital life. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, you, so you're applying the scripture. Look, we've run out of time, and I actually want to. Can I get you back to talk more about this, about the Bible, sure. how to apply it to? Because it's a beautiful subject. Um, yeah, but I am, sure. I am out of time today. Look, thank you for coming onto the program, Hensley. Uh, we're going to have a three week break. Hunty's yeah. going to have a three week break. I am. I am. <laughs> When we come back, I want to. I'll, I'll get Hunty to talk to you. I want to. Can we continue this conversation? Because oh. I think we're only beginning to touch it, aren't we? Yeah. How to make the Bible relevant and exciting, and uh, uh, how to study and read the Bible mm. so it makes a difference. I think there's a lot more you can tell us yet, but we are yeah. out of time. So thanks, yeah, sure. Hansley, for joining us today. You're welcome. In three weeks' time, God willing, yeah. we'll have you back. Okay, three weeks' time, we'll be back. Enjoy your break. Thanks, mate. Thank you. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I would have liked to have continued our conversation, Hunty, but we genuinely are out of time. We are. What song have you got for us, mate? I, um, I, dare, I dare not announce it because I know we're we're mucking around for the program here. What song are you? It's got? the It Is Written Singers, and it's called The Anchor Holds. journeyed through the long dark night out on the open sea by faith
song ripper like that one yeah Anchor me too Holds. really good um it's, it's it's by the it is written singers i yep. don't know who the it is written singers is but that's a beautiful music absolutely i think it might come from the they might be kind of connected to that powerful ministry coming out of america called it is written i reckon you'd be right there yeah yep. yeah have you have you worked with them at all it is written no not it is written singers oh, it is written i have yeah for sure back to the early 80s but not the singers yeah, yeah. I keep asking Hunty these questions because he's worked amongst Adventists right around the world for many, many years. And a lot of these, the music that we play, he actually knows those who sing it. And, uh, it's been a, a real experience for you yeah. working for the Lord, hasn't it, Hunty? Very blessed, yep. Hey, some, yep. Let, let's go to the Bible, Ephesians chapter six. Yep. I want to start in verse 10, Hunty. Yep. Because, uh, what I find interesting here is this is the Bible starting to be practical for you and me in the days we live in. Love it. And, and that's what we're talking about with Hensley. The Bible will work for you. The Bible will be powerful for you. The Bible will help you to get through the struggles of life. In fact, I've got to tell you, Hunty, I don't, I have no idea how, how people make it in life without the Bible mm. at work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Now, if you're struggling, this is a passage of scripture that you, you you go to it and you go, oh wow, I got hope. Yes. Ephesians six verse ten. Just just read verse ten through to verse twelve, huh? Sure. This section's entitled The Whole Armor of God. A final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So when life is dogging you yep. and things are going bad and you try and work out to yourself, how can it be like this? What does that passage of Scripture tell you? Put honey? on the armour of God so you can stand firm. Against who? The strategies of the devil. Yeah, because we don't fight against flesh and blood. Nope. You can't get a hold of the devil. Yep. You don't. You, you can't. You know, no, shake him or, or give him a bop in the nose. Just can't happen. You are fighting against 
a power unseen. that is not yeah, mm, not world. flesh and blood. Yep. Now, if it's not flesh and bar- blood, reality is it's more powerful than you, Andrew Hunt. For sure. And so when for you're going sure. through a hard time, if you get sick, if you get really sick, or, or, or if people are attacking you at work, or sometimes we, we see these very much in our human way, but the reality is that this is a devil in the background who's far more powerful than us attacking us. So what does the Bible say? Put on what? The whole Armour of God, God. verse 13. Read it, Hunty. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Yeah, so so when he comes at you, you've got armour on, Hunty. Okay, go on. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Good, Stand like your ground. So so, so my, my question is then, Andrew, I've got to put on armour. What is this armour? Well, pretty well, simple. It, it's coming up. Yep. 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 So, where are we? Okay. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armour of God's righteousness. Where are you going to find the belt of truth, Hunty? In the Bible. That's right. Go to the Bible, find the truth. When you find the truth, it's going to help you to resist the difficulties that Satan will throw at you in life. Love it, man. Mm. What about that second one? So you got on the belt of truth. What yeah. else? Um, body armour of God's righteousness. What's that? The body armour. I know that I am saved by Jesus and Jesus alone. That's God's righteousness. Yep. So it's called righteousness. Yep. We've talked a lot in this program about that. We have. And when you know, when you go to the Bible and you find the truth, and when you know that you have Jesus as your saviour, you're going to start to be quite effective when the hard times come. Correct. Go on, mate. Okay. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. As you travel in life, know that Jesus died for you. Know that Jesus cares for you, that he loves you, that he saved you. You're putting on those shoes, man. You're going to be able to travel through anything. See mm, how this works? Mm, love you? it. Go yeah. on. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Oh, I love that, Humpty. <sighs> when things are going bad, yep. have faith. Faith in what? Faith yep. in God. Faith in God about what? The Faith in God that he's got you. Yep. And I have seen people, Hunty, who have been very sick, lying in hospital beds, dying. I mean, they're under massive attack. I don't think you can be under a more severe attack than you go to hospital yep. to pass away and yep. leave this life. True. And they have faith, faith that Jesus has got them, faith that Jesus is with them, and they are able to withstand even that stern yep. test. Yep, that's fine. Last verse, Hunty. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When you know you're saved, your mind is safe. Yep. That's how you can go. That That's what it means to have salvation. I know Jesus saved me. That puts a helmet on me. My mind is safe. My mental health is good. Yep. And what about this one? The sword of the spirit. The Holy well, Spirit. It's the word, mm-hmm. which is the it's the Holy Spirit leading you into the Bible. Mm-hmm. Now you go through that passage of scripture. If you don't know where to start your Bible tonight, you go to Ephesians chapter six and you read verse ten through to verse seventeen, where we've been today. And I tell you what, Hunter, you do that. Satan comes against you. He is too fierce. He is not flesh and blood. You can't get a hold of him. But you have this armor on. I can tell you from my own experience: when Satan comes up against you, you will withstand his attack. 
And I think the greatest attack Satan brings upon us are attacks on our mental health, on our well-being. You will withstand his attack. You will be strong. You will come through, and you will be victorious. There's the Bible working for you, hunty. Absolutely. It does. The Bible works for you. And when you get into the Bible and you find these truths, you're going to be able to handle life a lot better. And I think in this day and age, especially when we're locked down and we're struggling with our mental health and these attacks on our, our very spirit of who we are, we need this stuff, don't we, Harvey? For sure. It is beautiful. Open your Bible. Read it. God has a message for you, a message of safety, protection, love and care.
That's integrity singers. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now we're going to be off air for three weeks. Want to remind you of that? We'll be gone. We'll be back though after three weeks. We'll be fresh. We'll be new and we'll be ready to go again, Hunty. That's true. Yeah, looking forward to that. I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling tired. Oh. I am. I haven't been so well actually of late. And so I'm looking forward to this break and hoping to come back uh, fully freshed up with you and ready to go. Let's nice, pray. Nice. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our program today. We've learned so much. You're a good God. You're a beautiful God. You offer us through the Bible. You offer us, Lord, hope, courage for the future. I pray that you'll be with our listeners, that you'll bless them in these difficult, difficult times of lockdown and COVID, Lord, and that when we come back in a, a few weeks' time, uh, that we'll be all here safe and, and ready to, to meet again and celebrate your goodness, Jesus, in your name. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman, the Aussie pastor, and I love you. God loves you so much more. See you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 